0: God is good. And all the time. I am blessed to serve as a pastor here. My name is John, if I haven't got to meet you, I would love to meet you after the service. In fact, this morning, we have our Discover Hallmark just kind of a quick meet-up right after church, if you are new and maybe interested in what uh, your next steps are or what church membership looks like. And uh, when we dismiss, there'll be signs that you can follow to say, "Discover Hallmark." And I'm impressed that they moved that without that falling. You guys, can we give them a hand this morning? That was great. Really good. I, uh, I, I was going to move it myself, and I tried to, and yeah, it didn't go well. Uh, so appreciate you guys being here today. We are starting a new series, and it is called Risk. And I'm excited about this series, and uh, I know that uh, back in 2017, actually, we, we kind of went through this. It's, it's the book of Jonah. We're just kind of walking through uh, the book of Jonah, and uh, really because of uh, the series in 2017, I decided that I would, would write a book about Jonah. And so if you would like a copy, they're free in the, in the lobby back there, and uh, that's kind of some of the material we're going to go over, but probably a little more in the book than we're going to get to go to uh, as we're in uh, service the next few weeks. Wasn't last week fun? Did you guys, how many of who was here last week? All right, did you enjoy last week? Wasn't that great? Uh, yeah, you can you can praise the Lord for that. And if you if you weren't here, let me just say, you missed out. It was awesome to look back on the last 75 years of God's faithfulness. God is faithful, isn't He? He's been faithful to you. He's been faithful to this church. And it was great to hear uh, from two of our former pastors and also from Pastor Dave Wenger. And just to see the journey that God has had this church on was just really amazing really exciting. But it's also exciting to know that the God that was faithful then is the God who will be faithful when, right? He's always faithful, isn't he? He's always faithful. And I'm looking forward to, my goal is that I'll be here for the 100th anniversary of the church. That would be awesome. My first Sunday as a church mayor at Hallmark Baptist Church was on the 50th anniversary of the church. And so hopefully I can make it the, not, not me personally, 100, but the 100th anniversary of the church. I don't really want to live to be 100. As soon as things start falling apart, I kind of want to, all right, Jesus, I'm done. Get me out of here. But uh, that's not on my notes. If you were here last week, you know I have a tendency to be like my dad and get off my notes, and that's not always a good thing, okay? Right, Dad? <laughs> we got one amen. That was my mom, I think. I don't know if it's for me or for him, or maybe for both, just waiting for comments. All right. Risk. Do you guys like to take risk? Who likes to take risk? Who does not like to take risk? Play it safe, people. I, I asked, so let me just give a quick definition. Risk, to expose to danger, harm, or loss. I don't like that definition. Because if, if that's like the only definition of risk, then I could understand why you're like, eh, not me. Um, I asked the question on Facebook this week, you know, because Facebook is always truthful. There's nothing wrong on that, never. It's foolproof, scientific, all that. Um, and I, the truth is, I'm really terrible at math, so I didn't even try. So I just kind of put some like numbers, like percentages. I asked the question, are you risk taker? it seemed like at least 55 to 60 percent of the people on you know this poll said no I'm not a risk taker it seemed like our very informal poll this morning that that percentage is higher Uh, but about 35 to 40 percent or so said yes I'm a risk taker and the truth is I I would say that if if I had to choose one or the other I am a risk taker for sure Uh, my wife for sure is not A risk taker in fact a couple weeks ago we got to go take a few risks and we climbed some mountains we got to climb 16 14,000 peak mountains if you look at this picture here you can see uh, I'm the second one in line here and at this moment in time I'm just praising God that we survived Uh, you see in right behind me is Andy still doing like this he's like oh thank God we survived but if you look behind us Like the top of that mountain that's kind of clipped off from the picture, that's where we had just come from. So you can see the ridge line there that we uh, traversed across. How many of you would like to go with me and go across that? Okay, we got about seven or eight, maybe ten, all right. Uh, Keep your hand up, because it seems like other than Bruce, everyone's young. Sorry, Bruce. It's just the truth. I mean, I guess Curtis had his hand up. Sorry, Curtis, uh, as well. We had just come across that ridgeline. It's known as Sawtooth. And and I'll be honest with you, while I was on Sawtooth, there was a moment of time that this definition of risk came to my mind. Danger, harm, or loss, or death. Uh, the next picture of me hanging off this cliff has got me in a lot of trouble okay so this was on that little traverse across sawtooth I posted that picture and you guys I told you the story already but my wife who's not a risk taker did not appreciate the picture don't you think she should appreciate my ability to take risk yes or no okay So if you did do math, I said about 55% said, no, I'm not a risk taker. About 35% said, yes, I am a risk taker. Does that add up to 100%? You guys are so smart. About 10% said, it depends. And I, I would say that maybe all of us would probably somewhat come down to that. Like, it depends on what you're asking me to do. You know, when someone asks you, Hey, can you do me a favor? You never say yes. And I've heard that the long, that the distance or the length of that pause between they, Can you do me a favor? and then they ask you the favor, the, the length of that pause will determine how bad the favor is, right? Like, if they're gonna pause, they will be like, Just say no. But, but maybe also, like let's go climb a mountain. Well, which mountain? How high is the mountain? Is it a class three or a four or a two or a, hopefully it's a one? You know, all those questions. It depends. But I want us to think about this in spiritual terms because God has asked you as a follower of Jesus to take risk. Like, like if if you as a follower of Jesus are going to live like we've talked about the last few weeks, that you're going to live a biblically driven Life, that our church is gonna live a biblical, that's the hallmark of hallmark. We're gonna be biblically driven. We're gonna be personally involved, we're gonna be radically generous, and we are then gonna be outwardly focused. If is if as a church we are gonna live up to those, those core values, those hallmarks of hallmark that we've seen. For 75 years, that's, that's been a hallmark of hallmark. Those have been the foundations of hallmark. That we have leaders in the past who have been willing to take risk for the sake of the gospel. That we have leaders in the past who have said, you know what? If we're going to relocate, we're going to have to have you give some money. We're going to have to have you be involved. We're going to have to have a focus. If it can't be just about us who are in the room already, it has to be, what about the people outside the room? The truth is, there are a lot more people outside of this room than inside the room. Is that correct? And in fact, many, many thousands upon thousands of people live in our community who don't know Jesus. And we should wrestle with that. It would have to lead us to be biblically driven, personally involved, radically generous, and outwardly Focused. But the reality is, underlying these four foundational principles, these four hallmarks, really is a question Is God the God of your life? We we just sang about it, we just read about it in Colossians like he's over all things, all things consist by him, for him, through him. Like God is in control. And I don't believe that as we've seen the history of Hallmark and we see the history throughout scripture, God is always calling men and women to take a step of faith to risk something, possible danger, possible loss for the sake of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I do not believe that Hallmark, I don't believe that God is done asking Hallmark to take risk. Do you? Do you? You're almost convinced. I do not believe that, Hall, that God is finished asking Hallmark to take risks. I believe that God has next steps for us. The reality is everyone in the room, as, as Carlos mentioned, everyone in the room, there is a next step of faith. Th- this morning we had these stairs, we're not here, and I almost left them off just to like, prove like the next step, right? How many of you like to see me fall off of this? Sergio, thanks, man. I got a friend like you, I like it. Let me phrase the question a little, maybe a little deeper than the one about risk. And, and I don't want you to raise your hand, because it, it is it's a lordship issue. It's, it's is God in control of your life question. And this question may seem a little bit out of left field. And, and so, again, I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to think about it. Are there any idols in your life? Do you have a problem with idolatry? Idolatry seems like an Old Testament word, right? Like, I will have no graven images before you. And I I think probably, like, you're, you're like me, that the first, when you first hear the word idolatry or graven images, this is maybe something, like, there's something. That's what we see in the Old Testament, right? Like a carved image that we're worshiping an elephant. Interesting enough, in our story today, Nineveh, you know what Nineveh means? fish city they worship they got a fish it's kind of an interesting side note of the story of Jonah right but 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 i want you to understand something probably i may be wrong but probably none of you have a similar image at home that you bow and worship to probably not so I wonder what, what, what idols we may have in our life that keep us from, from saying God is in control of all things and whatever God asks me to do, I'm willing to do it. And, and so I just, I just, I actually just thought of this this morning, so I went to my office and I just found some things that potentially are idols in my life. I'm, I, I was on the U.S. World Cup team. <laughs> what? I don't even know why you're laughing. I don't even know why I said that. That was like, it's really not in my notes. I didn't even think of that. Now, this ball actually has been sitting in my office for 22 years, okay? And it's, it's got a couple signatures on it that may be worth a lot of money one day. This one says, Coach John, that's me. It also says, Coach Terry Blake right there, Coach Terry. It's, it's got my son's name on it, I can barely read it, Blake Austin Haley signed it when he was in second grade, I think. Leslie Blake signed it. Nathan Milligan signed it. Listen, what I'm saying, and, and this one kind of represents the same thing, one of the biggest idols in American culture is kids' sports. It is. And, and if we be really transparent with you this morning, it's one of the idols I struggle with when my kids were younger. What's well, quiet in here? Now, here's here's another idol. Rock, chalk, champs. Any Jayhawk fans in here? All right. My dad, that's it. My my wife, thank you, Joy. This was actually my Father's Day gift this year for my son. So sports, hobbies, things we love to do—could this be an idol in my life? An idol is anything that you love more than God. I mean, we. Here's another idol. I only have one dollar. I asked my wife this morning, "You got any cash?" She had other bills, but she gave me a one. She don't trust me with the money. maybe it's her idol, I don't know. I told her, "You just married me for my money." She said, "I guess I'll wait till you get it." That's the truth. So as we look at the book of Jonah, J. Josh Smith says this, the book of Jonah calls us to know and embrace the heart of God. You you see, the story is not about the fish. It's not about Jonah. It's not even about Nineveh. It's not about the storm. It's not about the boat. It's not about the plant. It's not about the worm. You're going to learn about that. The story is about God. And what we see in the story of Jonah is that Jonah knew the heart of God, but Jonah failed to embrace the heart of God. I would say that probably in American Christian culture today, we are, and let me rephrase that. I would say for me in my life today, when I look at the, when I look at the life and the story of Jonah, I often see myself because I've spent my entire life in church world, learning scripture, memorizing scripture, reading the Bible. I know the heart of God. Where I fail oftentimes is that I don't embrace the heart of God. So what I want you to wrestle with today and in the next few weeks is, some of you, you need to know the heart of God. You need to know, and we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about it in a minute. But some of you, probably the majority of you in here this morning, You really know the heart of God, but you're not really embracing the heart of God. And Jonah reveals that to us, knowing and embracing the heart of God. This morning, we're just going to read the first three verses, okay? First three verses of Jonah, it's going to kind of launch us in the next few weeks. Now the word of the Lord, okay, all caps, Lord meaning Jehovah, the existing one. The The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the fish city, right, the great city, and crowd against it. Their wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God asked him to go to Nineveh. It was five hundred miles northeast of where he was at. But he goes to Tarshish, twenty, or excuse me, two thousand miles west, like the exact opposite direction. It really. Geographically, it was the farthest place he could get away from where God was telling him to go. At the known world. Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What a sad statement twice in those three verses. He was fleeing the presence of the Lord. I wanna give you three truths this morning, okay? Truth number one, God longs for people to know his heart. God longs for people to know his heart. God is is pursuing you, God is after you. God is pursuing you and he loves you. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He he wants you to know who he is And, and so we see right here in the very first verse, the word of the Lord came to Noah. God pursued him. We read that in Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah was like, who, not me. And God said to him, listen, Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb. Before you were created, I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Let me tell you this morning, God, you are here on purpose for a purpose, that God wants to speak into you. This may be your first time to ever walk in this building. And what I want you to know is this, God intended for you to be here today. He's pursuing you. He wants you to know his heart. Maybe you've been here every day for the last 75 years. You're here for a purpose that God is still wanting you to know him. He's still pursuing you. So God wants you to know him. I think we see four things, four uh, attributes, characters, or we we could see the heart of God in four ways in this short little text. Number one is this that God is sovereign. God is sovereign, in other words, God is in control. Uh, Stephen read for us in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17 that all things consist of him, by him, and for him. We see in Psalm 24 verse 2. 1 and 2 it says this, it's not gonna be on the screen, you might write it in your notes. Psalm 24, 1 through 2. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. When we read Hey, it is on the screen, you guys are good. When we read this passage, when we read the entire chapter, the entire book of Jonah, we're gonna see the sovereignty of God. You're gonna see that God came to Jonah. God sent the storm, chapter one, verse four. They cast lots, we'll talk about that next week, and the lots fell upon Jonah. I wonder who was in control of the dice they threw. Verse 15 of chapter one, they threw Jonah overboard. The storm stops. Just so happens when he gets thrown overboard, a fish comes by. God sent a fish. Finally, when Jonah has long enough in the fish, God makes the fish do what? What what does God make the fish do? I just wanted to see if he likes it, throw up, vomit, I don't know. He, He spit him out. How many of you said spit him out? That's like the most nicest way to say in church. You you guys are the good people. All right. He made him throw up. When Jonah was angry at God in chapter 4, God sent a plant to give him shade. When Jonah was still angry at God, God sent a worm to destroy the shade. God is in control. He is sovereign. Every week I get up here and I say, God is good and all the time do you believe that if God was sovereign and I believe him to be but was not good we would be miserable with people but God is sovereign and number two he's merciful he is merciful he this is a pagan nation the Assyrians so Nineveh is the capital city of, of of the Assyrians the Assyrians were brutal brutal people there there's uh, there is um, art that reveals how brutal they were we're going to talk about that you can look it up they're brutal people and they're the enemies of Israel especially the northern part of Israel where Jonah is from and God is sending the prophet Jonah to go cry out to repentance to the nation who is pagan who hates God who hates the people of God God in his mercy is sending a prophet to tell them repent and I won't destroy you what a merciful God we serve are you glad God is merciful are you glad God is gracious so so mercy simply put is God withholding judgment we don't get what we deserve grace is we get what we don't deserve get it Mercy, we don't get what we deserve. Grace, we get what we don't deserve. I had to really think about that. It's kind of twisting me up. Mercy, though, always precedes grace. The mercy of God was withholding judgment, and he sent a prophet in his mercy. If they would repent, they would then receive grace. If you are not a follower of Jesus today, and you've never placed your faith in Him, it's by the mercy of God that you are here today to hear how you can give your life to Christ. It's up to you to receive His grace or not. Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 2, God who's rich in mercy. Why is He rich in mercy? Because of His great love with which He loved us. God is rich in mercy because of great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Let's skip to verse number eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself; it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here's what I want you to know today: If you've never Given your life to Christ. God is pursuing you. Number number three, God is just. He's sovereign, he's merciful, and he's just. In other words, the Bible says that we've all sinned, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is Death, separation from God for all of eternity. We will, we will spend an eternity paying the payment of our sins if we don't get it paid for here while we're on earth. If we don't receive the mercy and grace of God, we will forever live in a place of torture and damnation, paying our sins. It's, it's the same thing. So God was sending Jonah to the, to the people of Nineveh to repent so that he would not put judgment on them. The reason maybe you're here today is for you to hear that if you repent of your sins, God will not pour judgment on you. He will give you grace and mercy. Because I love the passage, the verse of Scripture in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. He's long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any should what? perish but the all would come to what repentance as God was merciful to the people of Nineveh God is merciful to you today that today you could call on the name of Jesus and receive forgiveness of sins his mercy is withholding judgment but his judgment look look at verse number 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night in which the heavens will pass with a great noise and the elements which will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in will be burned up judgment is coming is what Peter is saying God is rich in his mercy and he wants us to get grace he's not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance but one day because God is a just God his mercy will run out and, and with everything I have in me today, what I want you to know is, I do not want you to experience the judgment of God in your life. He's withholding mercy and asking you to receive his grace. For by grace, you're saved. It's through faith. Placing your faith in Jesus. God is sovereign. God is merciful. God is just. And the last one, number four. If I can get to my notes, God is missional. God is missional. In other words, I've said it over and over already today. I believe if you're not a follower of Jesus, the reason you're here today is to hear that Jesus loves you, he died for you, and if you'll place your faith in him, you will not experience the judgment of God. You will only experience God's love, mercy, and grace. It's the same message that Jonah was commissioned to go to Nineveh. But Jonah went the other way. We're not done just yet this morning, but I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Maybe today, God is telling you right now, whether this is your first time or 100th time, God is telling you right now, I've, I've, my mercy has been extended toward you, but I want you to receive grace by placing your faith in Jesus. If, if that's you this morning, you feel like God is telling you that, yes, in this moment, I want to receive the grace of God in my life, I'm going to ask you just, would you put your hand up for a moment? Just put it up right now. All right, thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. I want to receive God's grace in this moment. Thank you. There's another one. Anyone else? Another one? You can put your hands down. I see three, and the truth, it doesn't matter whether I see your hand or not. God saw your heart before you raised your hand. But, But if you... If if you want to receive God's grace, I'm going to ask you right where you're at just to pray. You may say something like this God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. I want grace, I want mercy, I want Jesus. I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord. As our eyes are still closed, if you raised your hand, I mean, if you prayed, I'm going to ask you, would you raise your hand again? If you prayed that right where you're at, right, one, two, three, four, anyone else? Just put your hand up again, four, there's four, you can put your hands down. Can we celebrate that today? Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. And I'm gonna ask you, when, when, we, when we get done this morning, tell someone, you can scan the QR code, you can put the connect card, I'll, I'll be standing right down here, come talk to me. So that, that's something worth celebrating, that God, God, God put you here for a reason today and you receive grace. And can I tell you something? It's eternal life. That means you never have to do it again. God saved you in this moment. As Ephesians says, he adopted you into his family. You were once far, he brought you near. You were an alien, you're now a citizen. You were childless, fatherless. And God, in his infinite mercy and grace, he's adopted you into his family. Isn't that amazing? God is sovereign, God is missional, God is merciful. God is just. The last thing I want to look at this morning is Jonah. So let me give you an overview of what most of you probably know, but some of you maybe you don't. Jonah, the the four books are pretty short. So Jonah was a prophet of God. God comes to him and says, go to Nineveh. Their wickedness has come before me. Preach repentance, and I'll withhold judgment. Okay, that's what we've already said. Jonah goes in the opposite direction, doesn't want to do it. We read twice already today he was fleeing the presence of God. He goes 2,000 miles in the opposite direction to get away from the presence of God and the call of God in his life. Storm happens. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish. Spends a couple days in there like, okay, God, I'm stupid. Uh, God has the, the fish for you nice people spit out on onto the the sand then he runs to Nineveh because the word of the Lord came to him again in chapter 3 and says go to Nineveh okay I'll go this time he goes to Nineveh. preaches like a super short message everyone in the city repents like the king everyone repents this this is one of the most pagan farthest from God people they were the ones that were attacking the nation of Israel and in one short message they all repent That's pretty amazing. It's like one of the greatest revivals ever. And then Jonah in chapter 4, he goes out on the side of the hill and he sits and he's mad at God. He's mad at God. Why is he mad at God? Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think Jonah didn't want to go? Why do you think Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? They're scary people, right? I mean, you think of the worst of the worst enemies of America right now. That's who the Assyrians were, the people of Nineveh. This is the capital. They did brutal, brutal things to the people of Israel. Is that why Jonah didn't go? Do you, how many of you say, that's probably, I mean, we don't know for sure. We'll, maybe, yeah. I'll, 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 who's going to raise their hand? All right. A lot of, so danger, like he's not willing to take the risk, like many of you. But can I tell you, that's not why he didn't go. Maybe he had kids at home to take care of and just was, it was a bad season of time. It wouldn't be a good transition for his kids at this period of time. And, and so maybe come back in a few years, God will, will get you. My kid's pretty good at football Uh, if we leave, you know, whatever. Do you think it might have been personal reasons that Jonah didn't want to go? I know you guys have figured out now I'm setting you up, right? The the truth is, when Jonah was sitting on the side of the hill, pouting, the pouting prophet, you know, it's the prodigal prophet becomes the, the pouting prophet. He tells us why he didn't go. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, was not this what I said when I was in my country? I told you why I didn't want to go. And therefore I fled to Tarshish. What did, what did, what did Jonah tell God? The next verse. The next part of the verse. For I know this blows my mind God the reason I'm angry at all these people repent the reason I went the wrong direction the reason I was fleeing from your presence it's right here I told you before I got on that boat why I didn't want to go because I know You are a gracious and merciful God. You're slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. God, I know that you're so good and you're so merciful and you're so gracious that if I preach repentance, they were gonna repent and you were gonna not destroy them. That's the heart of Jonah. You you see, the problem with Jonah was not that he didn't know the heart of God. The problem with Jonah is he didn't embrace the heart of God. He did not think those people, We're worthy of grace. And the reality is, in my life, and I'm going to guess in your life, your actions say the same thing. Now you probably aren't as bold as Jonah to say, God, I told you I did not think those people are worth Jesus down on the cross for. Do you know what they've done? You probably, I'm hoping you haven't actually stated it. But can I say that our actions, oftentimes as followers of Jesus, say that exact same thing? So here's the simple question this morning. There's really two. Do you know the heart of God? And will you embrace the heart of God? God is sovereign, just, merciful, and he's missional. And he's called us to be on mission with him. We are to be outwardly focused because there's people all over the world, all over our neighborhood. I, I, I heard a pastor on his Facebook said this this week. From the neighborhood to the nations. People need Jesus, don't they? So you wrestle in your own heart. God, am I more like Jonah than I think I am? I know your heart, God, you're good, you've been so good to me. Help me to share the goodness with everyone.